California Senate Bill 1383 and its impact on paid family leave. Who qualifies for it? How is it funded? And does it affect employers? Jenna Gary from Legal Aid at Work joins us to explain. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. All right. Hello, listeners. Hope you're having a great day out there, wherever you might be. Today, we're talking about California Senate Bill 1383, which has recently been signed into law by Governor Newsom. And it features some expanded coverage in terms of paid family leave, as well as some other components. And to help explain all this to us, we welcome Jenna Gary. She's the senior staff attorney from Legal Aid at Work. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. So I guess the natural place to begin is that this bill, as I as I understand it in my research, was uh, put forth by Senator Hannah Beth Jackson. And as I understand it, she was responsible for the draft that ultimately made it to the desk of Gavin Newsom, unless I'm mistaken. But uh, what were some of the bullet point concerns that she was trying to focus on through this bill? Yeah, this bill um, had a crazy year, but this is um, this bill actually is born out of an effort that advocates across California have been working on for years because, you know, here in California, we were the first in the nation to institute a paid family leave program, which was amazing, which offers employees the right to wage replacement benefits when they need to take time off to bond with a new child or care for a seriously ill family member. Unfortunately, the program, though, does not offer the right to take time off work, knowing your job is going to be there after. So in order to actually know that your job is going to be protected, you can take this leave, you're not going to be fired. You have to qualify for a job protected leave under a different set of laws within the state of California and under federal law. And prior to SB 1383, These job protection laws had very strict eligibility requirements that excluded a large portion of the workforce. 40% of California workers were excluded from it if they needed to take time off to care for themselves or a seriously ill family member. And 20% of California workers were excluded if they needed to take time off to bond with a new baby. And so what this led to is that people weren't taking paid family leave, the benefits they pay for, because they feared that they were going to be fired if they did. And so SB 1383 is an attempt to fix this. And this is particularly important for low-wage workers and workers of color, which is the clients that I represent, because they disproportionately work for smaller employers and were excluded from these job protection laws. And so as I understand it, the uh, bill was signed into law in September, but it goes into effect when? January 1st of 2021. Okay, well, let's talk about some of this expanded coverage. And so as I understand it, there's an unpaid leave portion of it and there's a paid leave portion of it. Let's start with that and then we'll talk about some of the other components as well. Yeah, so this is the important thing. Here in California, like I was stating before, we have this kind of weird system where you're right to take the what we refer to as job protected leave is separate and apart from your right to actually get paid during that leave. So under with SB 1383 going into effect, what it means is that now eligible workers will be able to take up to 12 weeks off job protected leave each year now for four reasons, to deal with their own serious health condition, to bond with a new baby that includes adoptive and foster parents, to care for a seriously ill family member, or to deal with the military exigency. 
And what SB 1383 did is what it expanded this coverage to individuals who work for employers with five employees or more. Prior to SB 1383, it was 50 employees if you were caring for yourself or a family member or 20 employees if you're bonding with a new baby. So during those 12 weeks, your employer does not have to pay you. However, you can then access your state disability insurance or paid family leave. And paid family leave, it actually went from six weeks to eight weeks in July of this past year. So now you'll be able to take 12 weeks off of work. And for eight of those weeks, you can get paid family leave benefits. And how much, roughly in terms of percentage, how much of that is your, of your total paycheck? Yeah, so paid family provides 60 or 70% of your normal weekly wages. So everyone's going to get 60%. And then the lowest income earners in California get the 70%. And that's based on their, their top end of their paycheck, the, the 60 to 70%. And then are there any limitations? Are there any like salary caps that are uh, part of that equation? Yeah, of course, it's a little confusing. So what they do is when you apply for the benefits, they assign you what's called a base period, which is a year period, roughly five to 18 months in the past. And they look at your wages throughout that year and they break it up into four quarters and they'll take your highest quarter and take 60% of those earnings. So if you've recently switched jobs or you recently got a pay raise, it may not actually be 60% of your current wages. It would be your wages in the past. And there is a weekly cap. So right last year, it was capped at $1,300 a week. So roughly if you made more than about $120,000 or more, you would only get the $1,300. You wouldn't get more. But that will change this year. Uh, the cap changes every year, but it hasn't yet been announced what the new weekly cap will be. And I understand one of the new features is that if you have two employees working for the same company and say they met there and they got married and now they have to take care of the same sick family member, that uh, both of them can actually get a 12-week period as opposed to sharing that. How does that work? Yeah, that's exactly right. One of the compromises that was made when this law was first passed with the business community was this weird allowance that an employer could actually make both parents split 12 weeks when they had a new child. So, you know, one could get six weeks and the other one could get six weeks or one could take the full 12 weeks. And SB 1383 removed this. And so now both parents can take the full 12 weeks. And this is particularly important for gender equity because as we saw and what was borne out is that when parents were forced to share the 12 weeks, predominantly the female partner would take the longer leave and the, the non-birth parent, many times the father, would take much less leave. So we're really excited to see how this expands fathers really taking more leave to be there with their child. Just a quick follow up with that so I understand how that's calculated. Is that 12 weeks at the same time or, or say can one employee take 12 weeks and then after that 12 weeks is done, the other employee, the other spouse can take 12 weeks? Yeah, it's up to the employee to decide that. Your individual 12 weeks just need to be used before that baby turns one or within one year of placement in the home for adoption or foster care. So you can take it at the same time. You can, you know, one takes six weeks, the other one takes six weeks, and then they switch again. But the full 12 weeks just needs to be done within that first year. And just last, one last follow-up question on some of the benefits of the program. As I understand it now, uh, healthcare costs will be maintained. So to the degree an employer is paying for part of the employee's healthcare, they must maintain that while the employee is not there at work. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that is correct. And that's what's so huge about this. Not only does it ensure that you get to take this leave, they have to return you to your same position, but they also have to continue health insurance benefits during that leave. All right. My next question for you is about what what do you need to qualify for it? So just because you take a brand new job does not mean you immediately get to take part in this program. So how long do you have to work at your place of employment? Yeah, that's right. So for the job protection part of the your right to actually take the 12 weeks off, you've had to work for your employer for at least one year and you've had to work 1,000 250 hours in the year prior to your leave, which is roughly about 26 hours a week. So many part-time workers are still going to be left out of this protection. But I do want to make sure that people understand those requirements are only for the job protected leave. Your right to paid family leave benefits and state disability insurance, the the wage replacement benefits, those have no 10-year hours requirements. So even if you just started a job or you just left a job, you could still get the wage replacement benefits. You just don't necessarily have the right to take the time off and your employer has to return you to your job afterwards. In terms of the 12 weeks of leave and and eight weeks of paid leave, you know, how often does this turn over? Is this something you can do every year? What's what's the duration there? Yeah, you're entitled to 12 weeks of leave each year and eight weeks of pay each year if you have a qualifying event. So if you know you one year have a new baby, you can take your eight weeks of paid family leave and your 12 weeks of leave. And then the next year, let's say, you know, your grandmother gets sick and you need to take time off to care for her. You again will have those eight weeks of paid family leave benefits and 12 weeks off you can do, can take off to care for your grandparent. Well, you mentioned before about lowering the threshold down to five or more. Now, as I understand it, there was a couple different threshold numbers. One was 50 or more and the other was 20 or more before certain benefits would kick in. But now this gets them all down to the same threshold, five or more. So can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. And that's one great thing about I mean, there's many great things about this bill that I'm so excited about. But one that's really important is that we have this weird patchwork of employment laws when it pertained to family and medical leave laws. And there was whether you worked for an employer with five or 10 or 15, you had different rights to take leave. And it also depended on like which family member was sick. And so what SB 1383 did is it really put everything down to the same five employee threshold. So currently, you have to work for an employer with at least 50 employees in order to qualify for leave to care for your own serious health condition or a family member's serious health condition. You had to work for an employer with 20 or more employees in order to be able to take leave to bond with a new child. And then there was a separate law that had a five employee threshold that allowed you to take leave related to pregnancy disability. So now all these leaves will have the same five employee threshold. Okay. Well, that makes it a little easier to factor for, I think. So I want to transition the discussion into funding and allocation of this program. And so as I understand it, this benefit is funded by employees, not employers. Is that correct? That is right. California State Disability Insurance and Paid Family Leave Program is entirely employee funded. It's a payroll deduction. So nearly all California employees, I think it's like nearly 93% pay into the program. It's a 1% tax. So every time you get a paycheck, 1% goes into this fund and therefore you're eligible for benefits if you have a qualifying event. 
So in terms of the fund, does, does the money follow the individual employee or is it pooled and then uh, drawn upon as needed? It is pooled and drawn upon as needed. So it really is a social insurance program. You know, one of the questions I had when I was reading about how the funding was put together for this program was that it seems to now allow for more participants. But what I did not see in some of the sources that I read was an increase on in how it's funded. So I guess my question for you, if, you, if you're adding a bunch of new participants to the program, it seems that might put additional strain on it. So to that degree, you know, where would the additional funding come from? Would it come from additional taxes or is there some uh, some other source of budget from the state that you'd have to call upon? Yeah. So with the SB 1383 itself, it actually wasn't predicted to have any real effect on the fund because while SB 1383 now gives eligible employees for paid family leave the ability to take the leave without being fired, it didn't actually increase eligibility for paid family leave. Now, of course, we hope because people won't be afraid they're going to get fired, they're going to take more, you know, they're going to actually take the benefits that they pay for. However, because of the pandemic, because this is entirely employee funded, it depends on people being employed, right? People being paid and having this deduction come off their paycheck. And so when you have like the current situation, high unemployment, you just have so much less going into the fund. Additionally, we've seen more claims being filed because of the pandemic as well, because if you yourself have COVID-19, you qualify for state disability insurance benefits. And so because of this downturn in employment and upturn in state disability insurance plans related to COVID, in May, basically every year, the Employment Development Department that enforces paid family leave and state disability insurance, they set the new tax on employees. And in May, they announced that they believe they will raise it from 1% to 1.5% to account for this reduction in funds because employees simply aren't paying in right now because they're not employed. Now, is that going to be a permanent addition or is that just to uh, set everything straight again? That's just for the following year. They relook at the tax every year and it gets adjusted. They can only raise it or lower it by 0.5%. So that's the only authority the administration or the EDD has. If they want to raise it more than or lower it more than 0.5%, they actually have to get legislative authority to do that. So next year, they'll look at what funds were brought in, how many claims were filed, and they'll readjust the tax rate. Well, we're just about out of time, but I have one more question for you, Jenna. If people, employees, or employers want to learn more information about this new law, what's the best place to turn to? Yeah, great first place is checking out our website. We just put up a blog post on this. We also have several fact sheets and guides and roadmaps that can walk people through all the rights as it relates to paid family and medical leave, including these changes to SB 1383. So our website is legalaidatwork.org and it's legalaidatwork, all one word. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jenna. It was wonderful having you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you get a chance, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. It's always good for the show. And as always, we'll cite and make available our sources for this episode on our website, LegalTalkNetwork.com. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 